Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Man, y'all are all in town. Raise your hand if you vacationed uh, in the last, you know, July, June, the last season. Let me see your, your vacationing hands. I see your tans looking good. Well, uh, great to be with you all. Man, the summer's going by fast, isn't it? It is, and it's hot. But uh, great to see you all today. Um, we're going to have just an incredible time together in the Word. And uh, I'm going to preach a little bit from Ephesians 6 today. We're going to finish up that series this month. Y'all believe we can do that? We'll see what we can do. Uh, but before we get there, first of all, uh, if you don't know already, my name's Scott. I'm the lead, uh, kind, of the, kind of the lead pastor here. <laughs> uh, really, Pastor David, is uh, he's taking the, the, the real lead here in the day-to-day and is doing a great job. How many of y'all love Pastor David? And, um, and so, uh, yeah, he's really taking the lead. But I'm, I'm really the lead teaching pastor is what I do here. And I'm uh, here to bring you the word. And I'm going to actually pray for... Uh, a special little child that we're going to bring up here in just a minute. Uh, it's Child Dedication Sunday. But before we do that, uh, we're going to go ahead and receive our tithes and offerings. Thank you for your generosity. As always, I could share so many stories of so many things you've done and so many resources you've provided. But just please know how thankful we are uh, from kids camp to junior high camp to all that we do. Uh, it takes money. It takes resources. And we're able to do it because... Uh, of your generosity so um, if you are giving today you have three options as always as you see on the screen you can give here in person as the the containers are passed Uh, you can go online and give that way or finally you can text your your tithe or your offering to the info provided behind me on the screen so before we give let's pray father thank you once again for this opportunity to give and lord i thank you for the ability to do so Lord, you have blessed us, you have given us jobs and resources, and God, I pray today that as we give, in the words of Paul, that we would be imitators of God, that we would mimic God, for God so loved the world that he gave. Lord, we want to be like you, and so we give today freely and with a cheerful heart, and I pray that you'd use every dime and every dollar for the furtherance of your kingdom, not ours, but yours, in Acadiana and beyond. We pray this now in the name of the Father, Son, and all-abiding Holy Spirit, and everyone said. Amen. Go ahead, ushers. You may ush. Thank you very much. Um, But as mentioned, today is Child Dedication Sunday. We do this regularly, and it's just time we set aside to pray for our young people. And we're growing as a church, uh, spiritually, but also biologically. Uh, God said, be fruitful and multiply. Amen. And we're doing that. So if you'd welcome the Arsenault family and uh, Katie, come on up here with the Arsenault family. We have Gracelyn. And look at this beautiful child, hi sweetheart, Graceland, 11 months old, is that right? May I hold Graceland? Let me see this sweet, she's like not so fast, Pastor Scott. All right, I'm going to do, kind of do a little show and tell? Okay, I'm going to walk over here, y'all, look, look, look at this y'all, look at this beautiful child, y'all, look, look, look here, how many of y'all want one more, one more, one more, look here, okay, well, um, we're going to pray. Come up here. I'm going to actually let you hold her. Okay. All right. Well, I want you to stretch your hands toward this family 
and toward this beautiful child, toward Grace Lynn. Lord, thank you for this gift. What an incredible gift she is. And God, right now, my hands represent yours, Father. And I pray that all the days of her life, you would hold her and keep her. And Lord, for Grace Lynn, I pray for grace to be shown. All the days of her life, Lord, I pray that she would grow up to walk in the ways of the Lord. I pray that you would protect her, that you would deliver from every form of evil. Lord, may no weapon form prosper against her life. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this little gift, God. Thank you for the gift of life. And, Lord, even the joy and the energy and the passion. Lord, may it be for you all the days of our life, God. And so right now we pray for blessing and protection. I pray that she would become born again at a very young age, that she would serve you and know nothing but walking with you in relationship with you, Lord. And so thank you for this gift. Thank you for this family. I pray for all of the resources. Uh, in the form of uh, finances and spiritual wisdom and everything that's needed to raise this child in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. And so, Father, let your blessing be upon this family today. Thank you for them. And we pray now all of these things in Jesus' incredible name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, give it up for Graceland and the Arsenault family. What a beautiful, beautiful child. All right, all right, all right. Well... Thank y'all very much. Uh, can a pastor get a podium? Here it comes. All right, thank y'all. Thank you, Pastor. You're awesome, man. Well, y'all doing okay today? All right, well, hey, I want to let y'all know that, first of all, um, at the end of the second service, everybody say second service. Thank you very much. Uh, I am going to be hosting a luncheon for those of you who are interested in Our Savior's College. We're going to meet in the cafe after the second service. And uh, for those of you who don't know, let me just catch you up. Uh, in this, really the last year, ab about, you know, 10 months, I guess, uh, Pastor David has come in, as mentioned. He's really taken on the lead here. He's running the day-to-day. -day. He's doing such a great job. He preached last Sunday. And so really what I am, I'm the lead teaching pastor. I guess that's the best way to say it. But he's really doing a great job of really just running this campus. And I'm so thankful for him doing that so that I can do this but also lead the college. And so if you don't know about the college, uh, we, we just relaunched it this last year. And um, essentially, it's an internship, uh, an accredited, we have accredited classes, college-level classes for um, those between the ages of 18 and 25, our young people who feel called to go into what we call full-time ministry. And so we kicked it off this last January. We're going to begin a new semester in August. And so I give a lot of my time to that, meeting with young people, developing young people, teaching them how to preach. This fall, I'm going to be teaching ethics. How many of y'all know we need a couple of ethics courses? <laughs> like all of America, basically. But I'm going to be teaching ethics and theology and discipleship and a whole lot more uh, in, in semesters to come. But if you're here and you're between the ages of 18 and 25, or maybe you're a parent uh, who has... Um, you know, uh, some maybe a, a teenager or a student that's approaching that age or at that age, and you're interested in learning more, join me after the which service? Not this one, but the, the second service. Yeah, in the cafe, and we're going to provide lunch, and I'm going to give you a big overview of what we're doing because we're going to have the best semester coming up I think we've ever had. And hey, y'all, we, by God's grace and according to God's will, are going to be planting more and more and more churches which means we're going to need more and more and more leaders. Can I get a better amen? 
And so some of y'all are going to go, not right now, okay, I'm actually going to preach today in Abbeville uh, at 5 o'clock. And so like we are marching and moving and we are raising leaders by God's grace. So if you're interested, please join me. We're going to have a blast after the second service. All right, enough of that. Y'all ready to hear the word? All right, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians 6. I can't believe I said that. Six. Everybody say six. We're here like we're in the final chapter. And like it's a New Testament miracle that we've, uh, we've gotten this far. Some of y'all are wondering, will we ever get out of chapter one? Will we ever get out of chapter two? And then inevitably we did. Um, but uh, today we're going we're gonna to begin to land the plane in this series. Uh, so go turn there, Ephesians 6. We're going to look at about nine verses. And hey, by the way, I'm fired up about this. The second Sunday of August. Okay, everybody say second Sunday. We're going to begin a new series, a topical series on the Lord's Prayer. And so, um, listen, if you, you know, probably a good majority of Acadiana grew up learning the prayer, saying the prayer. And so it's a good invite piece where you can say to maybe your coworkers or to people who don't ordinarily come to church, say, hey, my pastor is going to be preaching on the Lord's Prayer. So invite them. And we're going to go, I don't know, four or five weeks. It's not going to be one of those six-month or eight-month or ten-month series. I can make it that, but I'm not going to do that, okay? It's going to be just a short uh, back-to-school resonator sort of series that's going to begin, again, the second Sunday of August. But today, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. And the title of my message, since you're taking notes, is this. An audience of one. How many of y'all know everything that we do ultimately should be for an audience of, of one? Let's bow, let's pray. Father, thank you for this word that's going to come forth today. It's your word from the Apostle Paul, but ultimately from you. And I pray that you would use it to help us refocus, Lord, in a world that's so out of order, in homes that are so out of order, in a society that's so out of order. God, today, would you bring order to our thinking, order to our lives. Give us crystal clarity concerning your will for these very things I'm going to preach, Lord. Come on, let's lift our hands to God right now. Let's lift our hands. Lord, we, we rely on you today. We need you today, God. We can do nothing without you. And Lord, I thank you for your grace in this place. Thank you for the word of God that has power to change us, to give us revelation that leads to transformation. So, God, we thank you for these things in advance, what you're going to do in advance, and we do so in Jesus' name. And everyone sit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I hope this sermon series has been a blessing to you all. Uh, you've been learning the Word of God as we've gone through uh, week by week. We've gone line by line, verse by verse, and by now you know that the aim of a series like this is it's not me coming up with an agenda, uh, except to just say, well, I'm going to preach what's next in the, yeah. I'm just going to preach what's in the Bible. And uh, if, if someone has, you know, an, an issue with what I preach, I want it to be that what I preach is so just from the Bible that if anyone does have a problem with it, the problem's not with me, it's ultimately with God, okay? Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't want problems, I want us to get it. I want us to lean in to receive these words as God's very words to us. Because it's the word of God that has the potential to set the captives free. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth. You'll know the truth, and the truth will do what? It will set you free. That's right. So my aim has been to come up verse by verse, line by line. Pastor David's done the same. And just to, just to preach the word. And, and as we've gone through this, line by line, text by text, uh, well, the text sets the agenda. And I hope you all have seen so far, when you preach through a, a letter like Ephesians, like, 
Paul addresses a lot of topics, doesn't he? We've looked at a lot of theology. We've looked at topics about you know, the, the church, election, predestination, faith. We looked at the nature, practically, of the husband-wife relationship. How'd Pastor David do on that one? All that stuff about submission? All right, I'll leave it. That, to, yeah, I'm going to just let him do that, okay? Uh, but, but all these different practical topics that we've looked at are so important. And what, what this sort of study does is it forces us to address topics that maybe some pastors would have the temptation to overlook or kind of go around, okay? Well, today I'm going to just preach these verses to you, and here's what I want you to see. This is not a get up and shout message. This is a sit down and say, dear God, help me grow sort of message. So I just want to posture you all at the beginning, uh, maybe to set your expectation. Get out your pen and your paper or your iPad or whatever. If you want to take a picture of the screens, take notes. We're going to talk about some very important uh, things today as it pertains to our relationships. But if you remember, let me take you back for just a few minutes. If you remember back when we started this series, well, the Apostle Paul, he begins this letter to the Ephesians by saying this. Look up here on the screen with me. Look, look, look at how he begins. He says, to the, to the who? To, to, to the saints who are where? In, now if you have your Bible out, circle in, in Ephesus. And are faithful, and here's another in, in, circle that in, in whom? In Christ Jesus. That's where, that's where we started, weeks and weeks, months, actually months ago. And, and here Paul starts out by, by making it clear, watch this, that the Ephesian believers, they lived in Ephesus, but their real address was where? In whom? In Christ. Let me say it this way. They were in the world, they were in Ephesus, but by the grace of God, they were no longer of Ephesus, right? And so today, you're in this sanctuary, you're in Lafayette, but technically, more precisely, theologically, you're in relationship with Christ. And how many of y'all know, in relationship with Christ is where you find peace, where you find forgiveness, where you find blessing, where you find everything that you'll ever need, and even more than you can imagine, it's all found in relationship with Christ. Can I get an amen? Everything, everything is found in him. Everything outside of him will let you down. Y'all know that by experience, don't you? That the blessing is where? In him, in him, in him. And in 13 verses in chapter 1, Paul goes over and over and over using this language, in, 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 in him. But if you're taking notes, please write this down. Here, here's the big driving thought for my entire message, okay? Being in Christ, that is in relationship with him, should define the nature of every other relationship that we find ourselves in. Okay? So in Christ, if you, if you, raise your hand if you're in Christ, you're in Christ, you're a believer? Okay. Being in him, under him, should define everything that you do in life. Being in him should determine the nature of every other relationship that you find yourself in. Let me say it another way. In other words, the way you respond in other relationships and to other relationships should be from your relationship with Christ and from that place of submission to his authority. So I don't define relationships as I see fit. 
I don't act in relationships as I wish or I want, but I, along with you, hopefully, we're under the Lordship of Christ, and our heart's desire should be to form relationships on the basis of his word, not our wishes. Which means I can't respond the way I want in the flesh to respond. It means I can't do and say everything that I want to do and say. It means that I'm under a higher authority. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all know we're in trouble in America because everybody is their own authority? People do whatever they want to do. And I'm saying generally speaking, people do what's right in their own eyes. But in the church, in the church, in Christ, we don't do, we shouldn't do what's right in our own eyes. We are called to do what's right in his eyes. Right? That's the way we, the people of God, should operate. And I've said it a hundred times. Let me say it one more time. We're not better than. We are called to be different, different from. And we are called to be salt and light in this decaying culture. And people say, look how bad culture is. Right, right, right. But my focus today is not on how bad culture is. My focus with Paul is on the church and us being the people he's called us to be. So think if the church can get her act together in a biblical way. If we can come together, be unified, and know who we are and whose we are under his authority. Think of the impact you and your children in future generations. Think of the potential impact they can make for the glory of God. Are y'all, are y'all picking this up? This is where I'm going. So, so check this out. Write, write, write what I said down. Being in Christ should define the nature of every other relationship you find yourself in. Whether that be parents with kids, kids with parents, husbands with wives, wives with husbands. Wherever you look, okay, this is going to be applicable to you. First thought. Second thought is this. Everything we do is not only in him, but as believers, it should also be for him. In other words... Everything that we do as believers should be for an audience of. At the end of the day, I want to make you happy to an extent. And I'm sure you want to make me happy to an extent. But at the end of the day, how many of y'all know our ultimate aim should be to please one and his name is Jesus. That's the way we have to think. And listen, culture is getting worse the immorality of culture, it's getting worse. I mean, how is that possible? I mean, the immorality and the perversion today in culture rivals, maybe even exceeds that of ancient Rome, and that's saying a lot. Are y'all tracking? You say, give me some examples. You get them every day when you turn on the news. And maybe I'll touch on them later. But the point just is this. we got to make up our minds today, not yesterday, not tomorrow. we got to make up our minds that we didn't yesterday. Right now, today, who we're going to serve right now, afresh today, Whose authority we're going to come under. Culture is going to work overtime in its own unique way. Y'all know in Hitler's Germany, this wasn't in my notes, it's in my head. In Hitler's Germany, Hitler had a, a man who worked under him. His name was Joseph Goebbels. And you know who he was? He had a title. The Minister of Propaganda. How many of y'all know we got a bunch of them running around? You say, give me some names. Okay, my name is Pastor Scott, and I'm going to try to be friendly today. But that's the truth. There are a lot of ministers of propaganda in culture driving an ungodly, chaotic, unbelieving agenda. And it's not just show respect. It's trying to jam things from an unbiblical worldview down your throat. Okay? What I want to show you today, without opening up too big a can of worms from this text, is to show, listen carefully, 
that God is a God of order. God is a God of order. And in Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3, Paul begins, not where you might think that he would begin based on what I've just said, but he begins here with children and their relationship with their parents. And then he's going to go into fathers and the way they relate to their children. And then he's going to, at the end of this message, he's going to talk about how slaves are to relate to their masters and masters to their slaves. You're like, whoa, what in the world? Well, we'll get there soon enough, and I'm going to do my best to explain what's going on there. But in chapter 6, Paul gets very practical about how our relationship with Christ, with God, should bring order to every relationship in our lives, especially in our homes. Especially in our homes. Here's what he says. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children. Everybody say children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? For this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, there is a lot to say here, but let me start by saying this is not Paul getting like mid-thought mid kind of irritated about out-of-order homes and just dropping some random in-passing parenting advice. Paul has an agenda here. And in this passage, he, he's reminding mothers and fathers and children of the established order of the home, of the family unit. He's reminding them that there is a God, listen, a God-appointed order for the home. And that order is this, that, well, if you go back to the uh, Ten Commandments, if you read the fifth of the Ten Commandments, there, the Bible says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So essentially what Paul's doing here is he's taking an Old Testament commandment. Everybody say Old Testament. And, and when I say Old Testament, you're like, oh, maybe you're zoning out saying, well, that's Old Testament. Okay, but he takes an Old Testament commandment and now he's applying it in the New Covenant community. And maybe you didn't know this, but... If you're alive today and you're a believer today in Christ, you're a part of a new covenant. And how many of y'all are thankful you're in the new covenant, not the old? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, Paul takes this Old Testament commandment and then he applies it in the new covenant community. And he expects children to abide by what was written all those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before. So it's Old Testament, but it applies today. And here Paul says very clearly, children, obey your parents. Now, I don't see a whole lot of children here today. And maybe you're here and you're like, my children are, you know, they grew up, they're out of the house. I don't, I don't have any young children. Maybe you're here, you're single. You're like, what does this mean? Okay, there's a principle in this that applies to everybody here, and I want you to lean in to get it. But he says to, to children, presumably young children, obey Obey, as long as they're in the house, obey your parents. And then he uses this language, honor them. And he says, do this, children, because this is right. And essentially what Paul is doing is he's laying out the, the proper order of the home, the proper order of the family. And here's the way it works, simply. There's God, of course, Christ, parents, children. Let me do this again. God, Christ, Parents, children, watch this, not God, Christ, children, 
parents. How many of y'all know in our culture today, that's often the way it is? It, but it, it's God, Christ, parents, children. And Paul expects this to be the model in every Christian home. It's a model that you as parents, we as parents need to know and to abide by. But it's also one that we are to teach our children. That children are to be raised in the instruction and in the discipline of the Lord. And so Paul lays this out, and basically he's saying parents are to submit to the Lord, but children are to submit to their parents, and in doing so, even teenagers, under your parents' roof, young people, by, by obeying your parents, ultimately you are obeying the Lord. You're obeying him by submitting to their authority. Ultimately, there's no authority that exists except, except whose? God's, that God has established in our lives. Are y'all with me? Pretty straightforward, right? Let's keep going. Let me, let me say something very straightforward, but maybe something potentially, uh, well, inflammatory. <laughs> when this sort of relationship is out of order, chaos is sure to follow. Let me take it to another level. People often say, Pastor Scott, look at how out of order our society is. And I respond almost always by saying, that is true, but an out of order society is simply an extension of out of order homes. Did you get that? So we can say, look at culture. And I think Paul would go there with us, but I think Paul would say, let's rewind it. Out-of-order cultures and out-of-order societies is simply, there's more to it, yes, but foundationally is an expression of out-of-order homes. And oftentimes, out-of-order homes is an expression of out-of-order parents. How many of y'all know, if we don't get the order right, our lives will be out of order? If you don't get this first, it's God, Christ, then you, not you, then God and Christ. If you get that order wrong, if a culture gets that order wrong, chaos is sure to follow. And we see this all around us today. People say, well, man, can you believe it? They took the Ten Commandments out of a particular courthouse. They, they, you know, they were taking prayer out of school. And my response is, yeah, that, that's tragic in a sense. But how many of y'all know the Ten Commandments were taken out of many homes and prayer was, it ceased in many homes before it ever was taken out of the public square. And it's not, let's, let's pray in public. That's one thing. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. But let's make sure our homes are in order. And if our homes are in order, then we as the people of God can be salt and light in culture and be used by God to bring order to a disorderly world. Yeah. So this is, this is really foundational good stuff. So one, one of the best ways for you and me to contribute to, the, to an orderly, moral God-fearing society is by raising uh, God-fearing, Jesus-loving disciples who grow up and become politicians and doctors and offshore workers and you name it, who are salt and light in the world. Are, are y'all with me? So this isn't about you know, big church services. This is about making disciples of all nations, pouring what's in the word into them so that they grow up and carry on that legacy for the glory of God and for the change of a nation, God willing. Are y'all with me? So when we get the order wrong, 
then, well, things will be out of order in our lives. I know what this is like personally. Before I even met Kelly, before I got married, before I was a believer, my life was out of order because I got the order wrong. It was me, then God. And God existed to just, if, you know, basically meet my, you know, to, to, to fulfill my wishes. And God was subservient to me, not me to him. But when you come to Christ, it's you coming under his authority saying, Lord, your will, not mine, be done. And that is where the blessing is. And if culture could just hear this, if we could hear this, we would see and obey this. We would see the blessing of God in our lives. So here's what I've written. The the culture is is very God-hating and is super perverse. All is not lost. Because how many of y'all know the fastest way to bring things back into order is by being in relationship with Christ and under his authority. So let me talk to the parents. You have kids at home. Let me, let me speak to you. Write this down, please. Parents, God commands our children to obey us. He does not command us to obey them. And I don't say that like out of anger. I say that out of passion for God's established order. Listen, we live in a country. We live in a world where parental rights are being stripped away. And I'm not going to turn this into a big political message. All I'm saying is this. At the end of the day, I'm going to seek to obey the laws of the land as often as I can. I'm not going to be a troublemaker. I'm not trying to be contrary. But, but when the state or any government violates my conscience or pushes me and compels me to do something against my conscience and the word of God, the answer is, sorry, I serve a higher authority and his name is Jesus. And you're not going to hijack my relationship with my kids so as to turn it around to make them the boss, them the ones in charge over me. I, under God, am over them, not them over me. Are y'all tracking? Boy, I'm going to bring some clarity today. (laughs) This is what I want to do. But but you need to get that. And and this isn't a, "Mm, yeah, submit thing. This This is the established order. So, parents, God commands our children to obey us. He does not command, them, uh, command us to obey, to obey them. Kids, listen carefully. Obedience to your parents pleases God and blesses you. And this is the part that's often left out. In a lot of homes, it's obey, obey, I'm the boss, do what I say, I'm not going to explain myself. People will say, just kids, obey. And there's a time to do that. There's a time when you're, you're kids, you give them an order, so to speak. You tell them what to do. That you, you can't give an explanation for everything. Okay, But it is important if we are going to raise our children in the instruction and the discipline of the Lord to include this part in our instruction to say to our children, baby, if it's your girl, your boy, if it's your kids, hey, listen, when you do this, you are not only blessing me, But you're blessing yourself because the Bible says that all will go well with you and that you will live long in the land if you are obedient to my authority. Meaning, there is a blessing. Teenagers, listen. If you're under your parents' authority, there is a blessing there for you when you are obedient to your parents. And ultimately, you're not just obedient to them. Ultimately, you're doing it for an audience of one. You're doing it for the Lord. And the Lord, listen, this is true for all of us, wherever you find yourself in life. The Lord knows and the Lord sees all. And, 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 and kids, maybe you're living in a home where your parents don't always act so Christian. Okay, let me, let me talk to the kids. Maybe you live in a home and your parents don't always do what they should. Listen, listen, kids, listen, teens. 
obey them anyway, knowing that you serve a God who sees all and knows all. He will hold them accountable for what they do, but he'll also hold you accountable for what you do. And when you're obedient to them, you please him, and somehow, way, God will cause things to go well with you so that you will live long in the land. So what does that mean? Well, it's pretty straightforward in the language. Scholars debate, okay, what does it mean? What is all going well? I don't know what, what it really practically means per se, but, but listen, if God says that something will go well with me, if then, I'm signing up. I want all things to go well with me. How about y'all? How many of y'all know, in, in a general sense, as you obey the Lord, there is a sense that things will go well with you. If you obey his word and say, Jesus, I'm doing this your way, not my way, there is blessing in obedience for all of us. Paul is working here to establish the order to get this turned the right way. And so, kids, teens, young people, Please hear me. Obey your parents the first time. Obey them and do what they ask you to do. And when you do, you come under the protection. The old way of saying it was with the umbrella. Under the protection of the authority of your parents. But at the end of the day, you're really under the authority and the protection of God himself. There is a way, young people, that leads to life, and there is a way that leads to death. I'm looking out. I don't know every parent in here, but even the imperfect parents in here, you're doing your best to raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I know that there's a fight. I know in this sense, I know that there's spiritual warfare in your home. The devil is working in our culture. The spirit of this age infects the, the church at large, and there's a spirit at work in the sons of disobedience. And I know parents, how many of y'all know parenting is spiritual warfare? It is spiritual warfare. Some of you may have children, they just willingly like, okay, 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 and praise God. Some of you might find that there's, there's a lot of world in your, your kids, and you're having difficulty uh, getting them to obey you. Listen, please, parents, listen to me, please. Even when there's a fight, especially I could say when there's a fight, don't give up. Be consistent in applying the biblical model, and I promise one day it will pay off. Parents, don't zone out. Don't say that's just the way they are. No, enter into that relationship and lead them and love them and, and expect obedience in that relationship. Are you all with me? Now, I don't know who's saying this stuff today. I'm saying it today. And I'm saying it from the text, not because I'm mad, not because we're trying to be like these authoritative parents, like just, bam. no. Maybe some of you are raised in that sort of home where your dad or your mom just walks around, boom, 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 harsh, cold, unloving. And you're like, well, I don't want to be like that. And I would say, yes, don't, don't, don't be like that. And Paul's anticipating that because he goes on to talk about fathers. Fathers. First, children, obey your parents, honor them. But then Paul goes on to say that fathers and mothers too, you have an important responsibility beyond what I've just said. And let's be honest. Judge your own life and your own upbringing. Many fathers were very cold, harsh, demanding, demeaning. That was true in Greco-Roman times. That's definitely true in, in our own times. 
And Paul writes, anticipating, knowing this, and here's what he says in verse 4. Fathers, and this includes mothers too, fathers, mothers, I mean, you're there together. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't provoke them. The word provoke comes from a Greek term, parargizo, which means to make angry. Don't parent in a way to provoke your children to anger. What does that mean? It means don't be harsh. Don't make fun of them. Don't speak down to them. Don't treat them like they're fools even when they're acting foolish. Don't tear them down with your words, but build them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So, how many of y'all know the flesh, if you let it, is like on autopilot, and when the flesh is provoked, the flesh responds in kind? So, if your children provoke you, and you're not consciously walking in the Spirit, Fathers, you got to watch this, because if they provoke you, the fleshly tendency is to provoke them. And it's tit-for-tat parenting. It happens all the time, and probably all of us are guilty of it to some extent. But living in the flesh, it's like autopilot. If somebody does something to us, we're going to do something back. That's the fleshly response. And listen, that is often, not always, but often the way of the world. But that's Paul's point. We are in the world, but we're no longer of the world. We are called to a higher way of parenting, a way that is determined by our relationship in Christ. And your relationship in Christ should determine every relationship that you have and that you're in, especially with your children. Are y'all with me? So this is huge, y'all. Get this. In Christ means I'm going to, that's going to determine the way that I relate to those that God has placed me around, the relationships he's, he's placed me in. So... This means parents, fathers and, and mothers, avoid sarcasm. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's stupid. <laughs> I counsel adults today who, when they were young, it's like their parents just like arrow after arrow, bomb after bomb, not instruction, but destruction, destructive words, Weapons of mass destruction in the form of words, bunker-busting bombs, words by their parents that were spoken years ago that continue to impact them to this very day. You're here. Impacted by what your parents said decades ago. How many of y'all know words are powerful? We have to be so careful with our words. So careful with how we respond. Are, are y'all are y'all with me today? This is true in general, but in particular with parenting. Don't respond to them in the flesh, but respond, train, discipline, get up in their lives with the word of God. And there are going to be times when you say no, there's no explanation needed. But there are going to be times when you're going to need to say no, and here's why. I've done this with my own kids. I do this regularly. Here's what God's word says, baby. So it's not just no, but here's why. If you obey me, you're actually obeying God. And I've said this so many times to my kids. Go and get with God and get in prayer. You go meet with God. I'm going to meet your material needs. But hey, one of the best things you can do is, is encourage your kids to go meet with with God because he alone can meet their true deep emotional needs 
And we got to train our children. Baby, I'll talk to you about this. I'll explain this to you. But you got, you got to go get with God. One of the best things you can do for your kids is to teach them how to meet with God. Not just you, but with God. And we're all in this together. Don't give up, parents. I've written, the best instruction you can provide is the kind that leads them on the path of righteousness and the kind that leads them back to it when they swerve from it. What I'm saying is, teach your children the gospel. We're not trying to raise little, mean-spirited Pharisees. Not that all were, but we're not, we're not trying to raise up just law keepers, boom, boom, like I've done everything and like squeaky clean religious kids. Are we? No, we're trying to raise children who delight in the Lord, who love to do His Word, to, who love to say yes to God because they know the blessing in it. And watch this. The best way for them to see it is by you modeling it. So when I am obedient to my Heavenly Father and my kids see it, the Word, so to speak, becomes flesh. They see that. I model it. And then it's more than them just reading it in Scripture. And I'm not taking away from the sufficiency of Scripture. I'm just saying it's more than them just reading words on a page. They see it in real life. And what you see repeated, you will imitate. Parents, let's set a good example in our homes. When you say yes to God, you're setting a good example for your kids to say yes to you. But not ultimately you, but to whom? To God. May that spirit be upon our families. The spirit of obedience. Not harshness. Not ugliness. Not, I'm the man, I'm the... No, it's... God has established this order. And baby, the faster you get up under it, the more blessed you'll be, the faster you'll be blessed as a result. Well, Paul goes on to talk about another group of people. Now, let me preface what I'm about to say by saying, when I read this, some of you are going to be shocked. Some of you are going to be like, I cannot believe that's in the Bible. Are y'all ready for it? He goes on to tell another group of people to obey. And I want you to hear me out on this. I'm going to do my best to explain a very difficult text. This has so much application for us. That's that's where we'll conclude. Are y'all with me? Ephesians 6, 5 through 7. Bond servants or slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from where? From the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the whom? To the Lord and not to or not for. Now, as I read that, the first question that some of you might have is, why would Paul tell slaves to obey their masters? Why didn't Paul say, slaves, run from your masters? Make sense? Why would he say, obey your master? Why wouldn't Paul, in light of all we know about slavery, why wouldn't Paul say, slaves, Pack your bags, get a plan, and run. First question. Second question is this. How in the world can any Christian be a slave owner or a slave master? Good questions, huh? I don't know if you're thinking this way. 
when I read this, these are some of the questions I had. Okay, these are Christian slaves, Christian masters. Paul's addressing both. He just talked about obedience, children's obedience to the parents. Now he's talking about slaves obeying their whom? Their master. Like, what in the world is going on here? Now, it's been often pointed out that slavery in Paul's day was very different than slavery in more recent American history, in the American slave trade and the African horrible slave trade. And there are some real distinctions between slavery then and slavery more recently. That is true. It was estimated, though, in Paul's day, a third, a third of Roman society com- was comprised of slaves. And in Paul's day, slaves formed the economic backbone of culture. And then, back in the first century, it was not an issue of race. Are y'all with me? It was not an issue of race. There were people of all kinds of race who were enslaved. And there are, listen, there are important distinctions we can make between then and more recently. But how many of y'all know? Slavery is still slavery and wrong. Can I get an amen? So Paul, here, here's what's interesting. And that's, I love teaching this to y'all because I, I don't know how many of y'all actually under, you've ever really gone here before. And you need to have clarity on this. So when you read it, you're like, oh, okay. Some might expect Paul to protest the institution of slavery as it existed in the first century. Some would, would almost get upset with Paul because he, he says, slaves, obey your masters. People are thinking, well, instead, Paul, shouldn't you be protesting in this letter? Paul, shouldn't you be out on the street protesting? And how many of y'all know as believers, there is a time to verbally protest, Some, though, get irritated with Paul. Paul, why didn't you make a bigger deal? Why didn't you just call for the total eradication of slavery in the first century? Well, I don't know, I don't know Paul personally, as you might have already guessed. But reading between the lines here and what, he's, what he said, here's what I think is going on. I've written, Paul was not pro-slavery. But he knew that he could not overthrow the Roman slavery system by protesting it. Listen carefully. Instead, he provided instructions that, if followed, would eventually cause the system of slavery to self-destruct from within. So instead of just saying, be done with it, Paul, in this document, is writing to slaves and to masters To help them see they are in Christ. And because they're in Christ, that should define the nature of their relationship with one another. Let me take it further and explain. In other words, Paul is saying, Christian slaves, obey your master ultimately as those who are obeying Christ. If you find yourself slaves in the situation that you don't want to be in, if you can't get free, I think Paul would say if you can get free, get free. But if you're in that situation, while you're there, serve your masters. Don't do it as eye-pleasing or people-pleasing as eye service, but serve them in a way that shows that it's from the heart. It's not artificial because you see, slaves, that you're not really serving your earthly master. Ultimately, you're serving your heavenly master when you're in that situation. He says, in other words, slaves... Work hard. I know you're not where you want to be. I know it's a bad situation. Work hard. Do it from the heart. I think he would say, go above and beyond. Show respect to your master. I think that's what he's saying here. Don't be a people pleaser. Be a Jesus 
pleaser. He says, do it. Watch this. If you can't do it for earth, do it for heaven. If you can't do it for people on the earth, do it. Serve this way to please God in heaven. Do it for an audience of one. But he's not done. Watch this. This is brilliant. He says, masters. Oh, and by the way, look at verse 8. Whatever a slave does in that way, whatever good he does, he will receive back from the Lord whether he is a bondservant or free. In other words, when you find yourself in a relationship that you don't like, that is unjust, that is wrong, do what's right before God and God will be sure to bless you and to make all things go well with you because ultimately you serve an audience of one. Just do the right thing. Serve. Give it all you got. God sees that, and he'll reward that. But then he goes on to say this. Verse 9. Masters, I love this. Do the same to whom? To them. Whoa, and you see what just happened? He's not just saying, slaves, go for it, submit, obey. He's now addressing masters. And he says here, do the same for them and stop. What's it say? Stop your threatening, knowing that, he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Do you see what Paul's doing here? He's saying, masters, treat those servants as fellow image bearers. Show them respect. Show them dignity. Don't be harsh with them. And so here's the way it works. Wait a minute. If masters treated their servants with respect and as people who are valuable and made in the image of God as they are, and if slaves come around and show respect for their masters, then at the end of the day, they're no longer masters and they're no longer slaves. They are now equal brothers in the Lord who see one another out of a place of respect and dignity. You see what Paul's doing here. He just elevated the nature of this relationship. He redefined it in the light of their relationship with Jesus. And essentially, Paul is saying to submit to one another. Oh, but when you get masters and you get slaves doing that, you no longer have what? You no longer have slavery. You have a relationship based on mutual love and respect. Listen to me carefully. Wherever dignity, respect, and the value of human life is extolled, is announced, and practiced, slavery will be eradicated. You get that? Wherever it's practiced, it will be eradicated. And, and hey, by the way, when the sun sets you free spiritually, you're free what? So who are we, if we have been set free by the sun, who are we ever to hold somebody else captive? Do you see how the gospel works? God frees us, and by necessity, we should free anyone around us. The sound of freedom. People say it's a conspiracy. Okay, whatever. Child sex slavery. It exists. Y'all know that. Just 
I mean, people are all over the place. It is a huge crime against children and ultimately against God. Slavery of every form is wrong. And I'll tell you why the sex slave industry exists. It's because of the perversion of men, men and women who see little, defenseless, helpless children as less than and objects of their perverse desires and they subjugate them to that end to have whatever they want because they're, no, they're not under the authority of God. They are an authority to their own fleshly perverted desires. Did I just say that? You better believe it. Thank you. One person wants me to preach. Why is the church so silent about this stuff? And I say the church, segments of the church. We're not called to be at going after people, but truth, truth sets people free. You're image bearers. You're beautiful, fallen, but beautiful in God's sight. Whatever color you are, however old you are, young you are, you're made in the image of God, and you're not a slave. Jesus died to set us free, and we are called to be those who protest, yes, and labor to see others set free. Shouldn't we? Because our relationship in Him should define every other relationship we find ourselves in. And we should fight with truth to see people set free. Can my white brothers and sisters say amen? amen. Can my black brothers and sisters say amen? Can the young people say amen? Finally, what does this have to do with us other than the obvious? everything none of us are slaves the way they were then but maybe some of you find yourselves working in a situation maybe for an employer who is a big jerk don't point third row to the right no T's in third row maybe you find yourself working in an environment where you, your, your employer is a jerk he or she is unfair treats you harshly is you know he or she's out to get you out of that place well hey it's a free country for now find another job if you're able for now find another job if you're able but if the Lord has placed you there someone said I feel like my work is like prison If y'all have read the Bible, you know that God has a track record of doing extraordinary things to people who find themselves in prison for his sake. If you don't believe me, just ask Joseph. If you don't believe me, just ask Paul. If you don't believe me, just ask the apostles. And when you're obedient to the Lord, even in those hellish prison seasons of your life and your work life, know that what you do there is ultimately not for your earthly master what you do there is for your heavenly master and he will reward you if it's by money if it's a promotion or if it's just a spiritual blessing that comes upon you because you're doing what's right in his sight serve show up early and stay late go above and beyond work do it all as unto the lord not ultimately unto whom not unto man do it for god do it because you you know he sees it that's what he's saying to the, to the slaves, to the masters. Do it this way because God sees it all. Hey, employers, here's an application. If you're a Christian employer and you are a jerk to your employees, 
repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's like a slow, what do I do with that? <laughs> you know. My name is Scott, and I'm your friend. You're like, I don't feel that. Well, by the authority of Paul, under the authority of God, principally I can say, if you are a Christian employer, listen, treat your employees fairly. Treat them with dignity and with respect. Don't treat them as means to an end or cogs in a machine. Treat them as image bearers. Treat them well because you know that they may be under your authority, but ultimately you're under God's. And God sees the way we treat people. And God cares about how we treat people. This environment should be an environment of grace and mercy. And yes, there's discipline too. That's another message. But I just feel the heartbeat of Paul in this passage speaking so clearly to us today. Kids, do the best you can to obey your parents. As often as they tell you to do something, do it. Be eager to obey. Do it, do it, do it for them, but ultimately do it for the Lord. Do it to seek, to please an audience of one. And here's my final statement. Being in Jesus defines every other relationship that we find ourselves in. In every direction, up and down, left and right. Hey, y'all, let's be like Jesus. And we're in this world, Ephesians 1.1, but we're not of this world. We're called to work and we're called to parent at a higher level. Let's do it. Y'all want to? Let's do it for the glory of God. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you. You're helping to set some things into order in our thinking. And Lord, I pray even for homes where there's a struggle, struggling with obedience and the disobedience of the, 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 the darkness and the, the, the effects of culture that have crept into the church. Lord, I pray that in our homes, that our homes would be a place of refuge. Lord, even for empty nesters here, for all of us as believers, God, I'm praying that we would all order our lives under the Lordship of Jesus. I pray today, Lord, that we would get this right, that, Lord, we would willingly and gladly surrender to you. And, Father, we thank you for the blessing of God over our lives and over our families. Come on, lift your hands with me. Lord, I pray that, Lord, your glory would shine. I pray that in darkness that your light would shine. I pray that Christian parents, that Christians generally would rise up in this wicked age, that we would be salt and that we would be light, that we would be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Lord, empower us by your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, we bless you. We praise you today. We thank you that all is not lost. All is not lost. The church is beautiful. You are grooming. You are, you are preparing a bride for yourself. And Jesus, we thank you for that good work you're doing right here at Midtown. And so, Lord, we bless you. We praise you. God, we thank you for order. Order in our hearts. Order in our homes. And come on, pray with me just for a minute. Lord, we pray for revival to come to your church in America. 
We pray for revival to come in our homes. Lord, I pray that at dinner time, that revival would break out at our dinner tables. Lord, I pray that our children would rise up and say, we want to serve the Lord. God, I pray that, Lord, you would use us in this hour, in this dark hour, to be light, light, light in this dark culture. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here. Thank you. You're here. You're here. Just lift up your hands as a sign of surrender. Just surrender afresh to the Lord. Don't be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of cancel culture. Don't be afraid of what people say. Who cares? Lord, give us a fresh boldness to do all that we do for an audience of one. And God, if you're happy, then we're happy. So, Father, embolden us. We don't want to be harsh. We don't want to be unloving, but we do want to be bold. Let me minister to you right now with your hands lifted. Lord, pour out courage. 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 The spirit of courage on parents, on men and women, single people. Pour out a spirit of courage. We need it so desperately. As Douglas Wilson says, not careful men, but courageous men. Courageous women. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit, who we love so much, and everybody said, amen. What, what a good message. Hey, stand with me, if you will. We just have a few announcements today. The first is that high school camp registration has been extended through this afternoon and there are still scholarships available. So if you're interested, you wanna register, you can go to the website or if you wanna hunt Rob down, he has all the information that you could need. And then the other thing that I wanna remind you of is that after the 11 o'clock service, we do have, um, Pastor Scott is gonna be talking about the college in the cafe. So if you wanna go grab something to eat, come back, or don't, we got food for you. So that's gonna be right after the 11 o'clock service. And then lastly, we will have the prayer team up front if you need prayer for any reason whatsoever. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the words that you spoke to us today. We ask that it doesn't fall on deaf ears. It doesn't fall on hard ground. God, but we ask that you use those words to take root and help us to change to be more like you. God, help us to lead, to parent, to be employers that are more like you, Jesus. We ask that you help us to point people back to you. Use it in a practical way this week. We ask that you guide us, guard us, and keep us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said amen. amen. Y'all have a good week.